folks. Welcome back to the Get With The Girl podcast. I'm Maddie. I'm Malcolm. For this week's episode, we are joined with Gemma. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, For this week's episode, we are going to be talking about Indigenous reconciliation. So we're super grateful to have Gemma here with us. Mm -hmm. Gemma works in youth mentorship with the EDIR team at The Grove since January of 2021. So thank you, Gemma, for joining us for this podcast. We are super lucky to have all your expertise and knowledge to uh, join us here. So I'm just going to start with a quick land acknowledgement. We are recording out of Guelph. So this land acknowledgement is um, made for this location. But as you all know, we do have lots of locations for our Grove Hub sites. So we acknowledge that the Grove, Grove Hub's Guelph, the land under our feet today, is located on Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Atawandron, Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation and Treaty 3 Between the Lakes Purchase. We respect the culture, language, languages, and teachings of all Indigenous communities and are grateful for the land, waterways, and non-human inhabitants that sustain our everyday lives. We recognize that historical and ongoing mistreatments, oppression, and injustices that First Nations, Métis, and Inuit communities have faced and still face to this day. At the Grove Hubs, we are committed to building relationships, trust, and many different opportunities within our hubs for Indigenous youth and all First Nations, Métis, and Inuit communities. We are taking small but meaningful steps towards Indigenous reconciliation through education and reflection. The Grove Hubs will remain accountable to upholding its commitment to Indigenous reconciliation and the continuation of creating a safe and inclusive space for all. All right, I'm going to be continuing on with that with a bit of an accountability piece from the Grove. So as the Grove Wellington Guelph continues to evolve and expand, we acknowledge the accountability we must take on as individuals and as an organization to recognize the long-standing harm, trauma, and oppression that has been inflicted on Indigenous communities. As an organization that exists within a marginalized system, we take accountability for the ways in which we have been placed in advantageous and privileged positions. As such, the Grove is committed to working with and for Indigenous communities to challenge the system, dismantle our own biases, and embed practices that encourage relationship building and reconciliation. We recognize the importance of listening, learning, and understanding the voices, perspectives, and lived experience of the Indigenous peoples. There is an equally significant need to change and support leadership and endowment amongst Indigenous peoples. The Grove acknowledges the need for uncomfortable conversations as they are the driving force for learning. Accountability and change. Our organization is committed to the ongoing education of matters related to the anti-oppressive, anti-racist, and anti-discrimination practices. The Grove strives to challenge challenge systems of oppression and promote equity and justice within all aspects of the organization. We acknowledge the eternal nature of this commitment as reconciliation has no timeline. The Grove will continue to evolve and learn while remaining accountable for our actions and decisions. Yeah, so Gemma, would you like to tell everyone what you do, kind of your, um, I don't know if you want to talk about the workshop we just completed. Yeah, sure. Um, So my name is Gemma Llewellyn. Um, I'm originally from Wales in the UK. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, I just want to say, first of all, yes, I am white and I do come to Indigenous Reconciliation as a self-identified um, ally, and I know that has um, 
is um, causes some issues. Um, but it, this is a journey I've been on for, for quite some time and with in relationship with Indigenous communities. Um, so, yeah, I'm on um, a PhD program at the University of Guelph. It's called Critical Studies and Improvisation. So the long and short of it is that how do we use um, social and creative improvisation to create social change? So creative improvisation could be... Um, something like this podcast yeah. um or um it could be theater it could be jazz music it could be dance it could be a range of of arts um yeah so my work with the grove started um through um a, a course that i took called exploring allyship um it's a, it was an experiential learning course at the university and um, I was introduced to Nida, um, who um, I was a mentor um, of um, helping her develop the Youth Ambassador Training Program um, that you folks have probably yeah, done. <laughs> we love Nida. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how I, I started um, to get involved. And then slowly but surely, like my, my research has been um, developing around um, what non-Indigenous youth can do in terms of uh, Indigenous reconciliation education within the Grove Hubs um, when... Um, they're in the middle of building relationships with indigenous communities or if don't they don't have relationships with indigenous communities um at all so it's a it's a it, yeah it's a big question yeah and so we just finished how long how many weeks was it six weeks six weeks we just mm-hmm. finished a six-week program workshop with Gemma where all the youth ambassadors for the Grove and Aaron Fergus Palmerston and Guelph we gathered and Gemma led us through different readings and it was it was really awesome. I mean, Gemma, you know, uh, we were able to have open conversations and discussions about the history and kind of the present day, how to be an ally, what does Indigenous reconciliation look like? And something that I really enjoyed that Gemma brought to the table was all of our sessions were... Um, started with Gemma reading something of Indigenous Reconciliation and she would just let us draw while we listened and it had a really big impact on how you kind of let your mind go when you're doodling and you can just absorb the information so much more and then as soon as the reading was done um, all of the YAs would go into a document and pose questions and then we'd answer each other's questions and it was just a really nice way to see where everyone stands with their knowledge mm-hmm. and it like was, how to learn it from was each a other. safe space to learn from each other without feeling like anyone was being oh, looked at a bit too heavily but yeah it was a very safe space and open area for everyone yeah i guess that leads me to thinking like <laughs> what was your own experiences of learning about indigenous reconciliation in school um i will start so I also identify as a white settler, but I do feel like I am a self-actualized ally to Indigenous communities. 
Um, I always strive to learn and to use my privilege to fight for Indigenous reconciliation. So in school, I'm majoring in psychology at the University of Guelph. So I feel like a lot of professors and courses have tried to include um, Indigenous history and um, really anything to kind of dip our toes into the water because a lot of folks don't really know much of any history. Yeah. And that was the same with me. Um, so I had a little bit of an idea kind of what the land I'm on. I knew that um, we were part of the Mississaugas of the Credit Treaty Number no. 3, Dish With One Spoon Territory. Um, and I that was about it. I mean, I was always open to learning about it, but... Um, I just, I learn more when I'm provided with a space to talk about it. Um, I feel like there's always that little bit of that voice in the back of my head, like, don't say the wrong thing. <laughs> don't, I don't know, don't say anything that could be offensive. And it, mm-hmm. it kind of makes me nervous to have those conversations. But Gemma, you really proved how important it is to have those conversations and to learn about Indigenous reconciliation because there is such a history of trauma and oppression and we need to learn those things in order to move forward so malcolm Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what your experience was yeah so i'm not going to go through the whole same thing (laughs) but i am also i'm also a white identifying person so um i'm currently i i study at the university of guelph i'm majoring in real estate so i've got a business degree coming up but so we have an entirely different sort of area we are exploring in our university paths. But unfortunately, in the business program, I have, I mean, you could probably expect this. I've had little to none, little to no Mm -hmm. experience learning about anything to do with Indigenous allyship or Indigenous past or any Or Indigenous land. Or Indigenous land. Which (laughs) Which is super interesting. Which is very interesting. We've never had a, a... land reconciliation or anything like that at the beginning of our lectures but I was I was quite fortunate in high school I had one history teacher who just took it upon himself to educate us a little bit more on indigenous history but he was always he would always tell us that we we, we were lucky that he was bringing this up because our school board had no interest in that being part of the curricular activities so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's quite unfortunate that it's not spoken about more often. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, Gemma, from because I know that you're not from. Yeah, here, so what was your experience back home? Yeah, so as an international student, you know, I I sit in a very precarious situation where it, it which is another interesting thing for me is, you know, how how do newcomers learn about. Um, or immigrants or migrants or refugees learn about even, you know, the history of Canada. And for me, when I moved here in 2016, not that long ago. No. <laughs> and I first moved to Toronto and it was the, it was the first time that I'd ever heard of colonization of indigenous people because it just wasn't in my school curriculum, um, in, in Wales, um, and I, I think that's for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not even in Canadian. Yeah. Canadian, so yeah. Um, so my learning journey has has been um, sort of thinking about. So Wales, the country I come from, is um, 
both um, colonized, but also have uh, been involved in the act of colonization. So Wales is 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 sometimes recognized as uh, England's uh, first um, colonized colonized um, success then. Um, so in in the process of that happening, we lost our language. So only 40% of people speak the Welsh language now. Um, and the, like there are sort of echoes of 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 that um that I mean, if you go to North Wales, it's very different. Um, people are, are living in communities where they they still speak um, uh, Welsh, but I'm from South Wales, and yeah, um, you you get a really good sense of there is a Welsh and English divide. And so coming here um, with that, I didn't realize until I started learning about. Um, like colonization and what what that has done to indigenous people's language, land, um, cultural practices. Um, so it's it's helped me to be reflective, um, but not you know, not in so much as like being. Oh well, we've experienced this too, mm-hmm. so I know exactly yeah. how you feel. Yeah, yeah I, 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 it's it's a, it's a. For me, it's a way in. Um, and then, so the other part is that in order to sh- um, save the Welsh language, um, Welsh um, agriculturalists um, tried to colonise uh, Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. um, I think in the 12th century, and failed because of the because of the territory it was just um very difficult um and then um they were successful in um south america so argentina um in in patagonia um and um the it's it's called the colony that's Mm -hmm. how it's translated but it's called Urwarva. um and there are more people that speak welsh in this small community than there are in the whole of Wales. Oh. So, yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting and the way in which um, like how we we try and engage with people to learn the Welsh language, um, which also is is resonant of like the way in which. So the way that they decided that they were going to erase this language was you had to wear a board that had um, WN written on it, and that meant Welsh not. So meaning don't speak Welsh. And if you were caught speaking Welsh, you would have to wear this. And they relied on, um, uh, like peers of 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 children to tell the teacher that the um yeah so so for me that 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 allows for me to sort of try and understand what um the schools were like here mm-hmm. um and again nowhere near as um a- a- abusive i don't think um so it, for 
for me, it's been about a lot of um, learning, a lot of mistakes and learning from my mistakes. Um, and I think that's a that's a really key part of it. Yeah, that was that was one of the best parts about our workshop is whenever someone made any sort of mistake, because we're all still learning. We were all a group and a team and we would educate that person and help them expand their knowledge. I myself had plenty of moments where I learned something new or I made a fool of myself, but it's important to do that because if you are too scared to make a fool of yourself, then you're never going to learn the correct knowledge. Mm. But then having conversations in in spaces with specifically other non-Indigenous folks mm-hmm. um, is also critical, I think. Mm-hmm. This this um, notion comes from the 4 R's youth movement, so that they say that before um, non-Indigenous people in their widely defined um, identities should go into... Um, should go into their own communities first and talk about the history of colonization and try and understand what indigenous reconciliation is before trying to engage with indigenous communities because we're trying to reduce the harm that we are causing Mm -hmm. so for me this was kind of like and the workshops were also, you know, part of my research. This was the third iteration of the workshops, and each of the series has been really, really different because people have been from different um, cultural backgrounds. They've entered Canada in in various ways. Um, so, yeah, it, it it brings to light how other people have also experienced colonization in their own country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that you touched upon the learning with other non-Indigenous folks mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's not their jobs to teach us, right? It's our job to have that base layer of knowledge and education. And sometimes that can be really hard to know where to start because mm-hmm. it can feel overwhelming and... There's yeah. so much to learn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of last topic of discussion before we wrap up. Gemma, do you have any kind of prompts or ideas on how non-Indigenous identifying youth can practice Indigenous reconciliation? Um, Well, I guess the allyship guides here at The Grove um, are a great resource um, that have been developed in partnership with Indigenous folks. Mm -hmm. So the information in it is is vitally uh, relevant um but also it's i think it's okay to speak to um uh, folks at the grove as well about any like education programming that you might want to 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 learn yourselves i know that the there is plans in the future for um some uh Matey um, finger weaving um, happening, but I guess it's the first step. I would say is yeah, just like talk to each other, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's a really scary first 
like yeah. starting point. Mm-hmm. Scary but necessary. Yeah, and so so also, what is the purpose of you having these conversations as well is super important. Um, yeah, and then I think adults should be accountable in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot only be the ones that are leading the way here. Um, yeah, so asking adults as well if if they don't know then learn together even if it's outside of school and if it's at home yeah try and learn together and it's a really really long process yeah and everyone can learn more yeah yeah um so yeah um and apologize if well, apologize when you ha- when you know you've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are engaging with with indigenous folks, I think that's that's really key. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I will just say a little final note. As a settler organization, the Grove acknowledges the everlasting nature of this work, and we will continue to approach our learning with honesty, curiosity, and authenticity. We strive to demonstrate a small piece of our learning within this interactive land acknowledgement. However, we want to emphasize that this is informed by settlers who are working to learn about the Indigenous ways of knowing. Therefore, we will always seek out ways to make this this display more accurate and representative. As an organization, we will continually seek out ways to learn about Indigenous experiences and reflect on our positionally positions as settlers. Our learning must come from an honest place as we continue to recognize our absence of knowledge on the truths behind Indigenous experiences. We are committed to learning and unlearning, and we acknowledge the amount of work that has to be done. Day by day, the Grove will work to build relationships with Indigenous peoples and youth while we move towards truth and reconciliation. So thank you everyone for tuning in for this week's episode, and a big thank you, Gemma. No, thank you for having me. Coming on the podcast, your expertise is always valued and um, it doesn't go unnoticed how much work you put in. So we really appreciate having you here on the podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode. And remember, be kind to your mind and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye!